This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. It's good to have all of you here. Bless you. If you're here for the baptism, glad you made it. You'll get to hear the Word of God before that, though, okay? I welcome all of you. If you need a Bible, won't you raise your hand? Our ushers would gladly get you the Word of God. Once you get a Bible, go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. For all you note takers, we'll go 1 Corinthians 7, and then we'll go backwards a little bit to 1 Corinthians 6. And then we'll navigate through the scriptures again today a little bit here just to teach you the Word of God. Again, you saw the, the series title has been A Touch of God. We've been on this forever, seems like. That's all based off of Psalms 92 verse 10 which says the Lord wants to be your horn. The word horn there is your strength and your prominence. Now the Lord said in Ephesians 6, 10, he said, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I, I believe the Lord wants to give us strength. He wants to help us. And then the end of verse 10 there says that he wants to anoint you with a fresh anointing, a fresh touch of God. And so we'll be on that here a couple more weeks. And so again, you're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, to start here this morning, I, I don't know if you've ever been at a store and you made a purchase and they actually gave you a receipt and when you walked out, the theft sensors went off. Beep, beep, beep. Have any of you ever had that? I've had that. And you look around and think, you know, I, I'm not guilty, but I'm embarrassed. I had some girls that happened to them a few weeks ago and I was there when it happened to them and the girl looked at me and said, we paid for it, we paid for it. Well, that's what we all say, we paid for it. I got a receipt, I didn't steal it. But see, we have that same dilemma as Christians, but we didn't pay for it. The Lord Jesus paid for it. He paid for every sin, every mistake, every bad choice. And when I say that he paid for every one of those, those, those aren't give me a license to continue to sin. That doesn't mean that he's telling me I, I can live a lifestyle however I want, that I can just blow off these things. And so when we give our heart to Jesus, salvation is a free gift. The Lord says, just come as you are, and we get saved by grace through faith. But after you get born again, the way that we showcase that the Lord is Lord of my life is in my obedience. That I start obeying the scripture, the word of God. And man, it becomes so beneficial to live in the boundaries of the word of God. Not what Hollywood says, but what the word of God says. So we begin here, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23. You were bought at a price. A huge price was paid for your, uh, your ransom. A great price was paid for your redemption. And he goes on to say, do not become slaves of men. Stop having the mindset of a slave of men. And so you see immediately here, you were bought with a price. Now turn back with me to 1 Corinthians 6. And as you're turning there, the Apostle Paul was the writer to the church of Corinth. And if you were to go through the New Testament, you would see he wrote to the church of Corinth, the church of Galatia, Ephesus, uh, Philippi, Colossae. Every one of these were different churches. 
And so when he writes here to the church at Corinth, he has some special instructions for them. We begin in, in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18. Flee sexual immorality. Run from it. Don't flirt with it. And some of you are saying, he's surely not going to speak on that. Well, hello. It's in the Bible. And when he said flee sexual immorality, he was talking to church folk. People within the church. So it shows me right here, the church at Corinth had some problems with sexual immorality. And I have the thought, the church at Corinth doesn't have any more problems or issues than the church of America does right now. You, you always get a lot of amens on this. This is always a real good one. So to put you at ease a little bit, when he says flee sexual immorality, we might as well just cover the gauntlet of them, Okay. If you're having sex and you're not married, then you're a fornicator. The Bible. If you can't say amen, say oh me. If you're married and you're having a fling with another woman or man, you are an adulterer. But I don't want to leave anybody out. What about the homosexual? What about the lesbian? What about the one in pornography? And so I say that to lump it all. It's all sexual immorality. No matter how we want to dice it, slice it, and look at it. And I'm not here to bash anybody, okay? We love all people. You know, years ago, I was speaking on this. And after the service, this lady came up to me right here, right there. And she looked at me and she said, I want to know your stand on sexual sin. And I said, so what do you want to know? And she said, I want to know your stand on it. And I said, okay. I said, as a pastor, I'm, I'm charged to correct, rebuke, and encourage. So if I have a person in the church who is not married but in sex, they would be a fornicator. Is it wrong for me to correct them in love? She said, no. I said, what about an adulterer? Same thing. Is it okay if I correct them in love? She said, yes, I think you should. Well, she was a lesbian. And I looked at her and I said, so the same correction and I love that I have for an adulterer and a fornicator, shouldn't I have that for you also? I never saw her again. And I welcome people. I, well, we're, we're all in this. And again, we live in a sexually saturated society. Now, let's listen to what the Apostle Paul says about this. Let's learn something here. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Wait, 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 wait. Did the Apostle Paul call sexual immorality sin? Yes, that's exactly what he called it. But we call anything sin now. We can't do that. We're going to run off the customers if we call it sin. But it's interesting he calls sin, sin. But yet we get all nervous when we talk about these things. Verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit 
Your body is, is not self-governing. Your body is not self-sustaining. But he says it belongs to the Holy Spirit. So once I've given my heart to Jesus, this body's no longer mine. He goes on to say, the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. Verse 20, for you were bought at a price. Now we've seen that twice now. You, you were bought at an expensive cost. And he says, therefore, by all means, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. I'm purchased by his son, but I'm inhabited by the Holy Spirit. Now, it's interesting that when, when we talk about the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, we don't have a problem talking about God. But sometimes when we mention Jesus, that freaks people out. And when you mention the Holy Spirit, people are, oh my gosh, he's going charismatic on me. He's going crazy. He's a holy relic. The Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. The Holy Spirit doesn't do crazy things. People do crazy things. The Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird. And so the Holy Spirit gets a bad rap because people do crazy things. Why are you talking about that? Well, we're going to begin to ease in this, but the week after Mother's Day, we're really going to begin to tackle some things on the Holy Spirit that I believe need to be preached. That we really, really need to hear this. Go to your left to the book of Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, and a couple thoughts as you're turning there. We're all very similar as human beings. Proverbs 24, 16 says, A righteous man will fall seven times, but he'll get back up. He'll get back up. I like to call us as human beings a triple threat. We're all capable of stumbling, fumbling, and falling. And that may be you right now. Maybe you've stumbled, fumbled, and fallen. But you know what? Today's a new day. Today's time to get back up. Get back up. So we go to the book of Romans chapter 7. The apostle Paul is the writer here of Romans. Most believe that he wrote Romans while he was in Corinth. So we start here in Romans 7 verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual. God's commands are spiritual. It's, it's divinely inspired, the word of God. But I am carnal. Now, the word carnal here is, is a word we don't hear that much about anymore, but it means to be ruled by my flesh. I'm a creature of my flesh. I'm all too human. I'm carnal. And every one of us, I, I got this thing called my flesh, and your flesh is a lot like my flesh. It likes to act up at times. And so he says, we're carnal. Sold under sin. I'm trafficked as a slave under sin's authority and sin's control. Now what you're getting ready to see here is this great man of God named Paul. And the next few verses, he's going to tune into this thing called I, me, you. Verse 15. 
For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that's what I do. I decide one way, but I go another way. Have you ever done that? Verse 16. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. I'm a mystery. I'm a mystery to myself. I'm full of myself. I I actually do what my moral instincts condemn. I do the things that I despise. I, I don't understand my actions. He's saying here, I'm bewildered. Now, I believe that's how we are as human. The carnality of your life may look different than mine. So let's throw out a few things here real quick. I don't want to lie, but I continue to lie. I don't want to steal, but I continue to steal. I I don't want to commit sexual sin, but I commit sexual sin. Oh, Pastor, you're preaching really, really good. Thank you. Again, it it looks different from every one of us, but every one of us have this flesh, this carnal. Verse 17. But now it is no longer I who do it, but the stinking sin that dwells in me, and I know stinking wasn't in there. The unwelcome intruder of sin in my humanity. It makes its home in me. It, It tries to sabotage me intentionally. Verse 18, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, that carnal part of me, nothing good dwells, for to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. My my willpower is not enough to accomplish it. How many of you have ever done that? How many of you ever said, I'm not going to cuss all day, and I don't even make it till late that morning? I'm not going to open my mouth. I I can't even, I I break that before I get up. So when we say here this thing called willpower, it's not enough. You know what that tells me? We obviously need help. And thank God, God said, I'm going to send you a helper in John 16 called the Holy Spirit. I got to have help. Can I give you a little insight? You're not going to whip this thing called your flesh on your own. You got to have the Holy Spirit. Verse 19. He goes even farther. For the good that I will to do, I don't do. But the evil I will not to do, that's what I practice. I decide not to do bad, but I do it anyway. Been there, done that. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it. But the sin that dwells in me, it's not my identity. And so when you see what he's talking about here, one of the laws of physics is anything in motion causes friction. And in a similar way here, one of the laws of the spiritual realm is that any motion or progress in the pursuit of godliness, it's going to produce friction. Anytime we, par- uh, we, we come against the carnality of our lives, it's going to cause problems. Your flesh is not going to like it. 
But when I read what Paul is talking about here, there's a big difference between your who and your do. Who I am is not determined by what I do. But I've missed it. I've blown it. I've made mistake after mistake. Well, welcome to the NFL. Who hadn't? But my who is different from my do. And so when you give your heart to Jesus in 2 Corinthians 5, it says that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. I'm a new creature. But here's the issue. We are all a work in progress. Ephesians 2.10 says we are his workmanship. In, in Isaiah 64 it says he's the potter and we're the clay. So he's going to continue to work on me and work in me and work in me. Let me ask you something. How many of you right now are further along spiritually right now than you were a year ago at this time? You're a work in progress. One of the great illustrations of that in the Bible was the apostle Peter. Now, one day Jesus strolls across Peter and he says, Hey, Pete, why don't you follow me and become a fisher of men? So Peter, for the next three years, he follows the Lord Jesus. But Peter was a work in progress because when I studied Peter's life, even though he was around Jesus day by day by day, Peter had a problem. He talked before he thought. Pastor, you're describing my wife. Well, that's... <laughs> Peter had another bigger problem. You know what his bigger problem was? He rebuked Jesus. What type of crazy are you to rebuke Jesus? But I begin to find something in Peter, and it's called the and. And after Jesus died and rose and went to heaven... Peter got filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was a work in progress and his whole life changed. I believe that's what God wants to do with every one of us. That I'm a work in progress. That I may have fallen, but I got to get back up. Get me back. See, again, when I say get back up, that goes back to, to Psalms 92.10. Lord, I need your strength today. I need a fresh anointing on me. I need a fresh faith today. I need a fresh love today. I need a fresh peace today. Turn with me to the book of, of Romans chapter 8. Just the very next little bit. And we're going to start in verse 1. And listen to what Paul says here. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Where it says there is therefore... Passion translation says, so now the case is closed. The word therefore means because of the fact of salvation by grace and faith alone, okay? So listen again. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The word condemnation actually is a, an accusing voice. It, it's a, it's a, a guilt or a sentence of doom. So what happens is the devil goes fishing and he throws out a little bait of sin. And when we grab that bait of sin, then he begins to condemn us. And he starts telling you how sorry you are. You're sorry, you're no good. And he tries to begin to shame us and guilt us. But it's interesting here, 
In Paul's writing, he says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now let me ask you a question. Are you in Christ Jesus? How do I come in Christ Jesus? I must get born again. Romans 10, 9 and 10, I believe in my heart and I speak with my mouth, the Lord Jesus. You gotta get born again. So he said, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, but watch how he completes verse one. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So there's no more condemnation to those who, man, I'm not dominated by my flesh. But I start allowing the Holy Spirit to work in me. That he begins to move in me and he begins to change me and he begins to rearrange me. Verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. The word made me free means to liberate, to acquit. The word is used exclusively for Jesus setting believers at freedom from the dominion of sin. And so he has made me free from the law of sin and death. So the way I resist the, the natural or the nature of my flesh, the way I resist it, there is no escape from the human inclinations except through the in, in, empowering and inflowing of the Holy Spirit. You're not going to make it without the Holy Spirit. He's the empowerer. He's the one. And so again, we begin to wade in this deeper and deeper and deeper. I don't know about you. I need a fresh anointing today. I need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit to move in me. Now, go with me to the book of Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. I'm going to give you a little bit of insight of even my own life. I relate to the Apostle Paul in the areas. The things that I don't want to do, that's what I do. So as a 12-year-old, I, I lived on a street where there was a lot of older boys, young men. At the age of 12, alcohol was very accessible for me. I started drinking at the age of 12. I never had the thought where that first drink would take me. Just a warning from you. Anytime we crack the door open to the enemy in areas of your life, he'll come in. You know, the apostle Paul said, flee youthful lust. So much of the stuff that goes with us in life happens in our teenage years. Yes. It began to progress and it began to progress. And I remember many mornings before I would go into high school that I would have a couple shots of hard liquor. And I began to get dominated by it. Where it began to control me. It told me what to do. I didn't tell it what to do. So I have great compassion for people that have been bound by addictions, whatever it is, because I know what that looks like. So I'm going to share a little bit here. And I, I don't say this just, just a sorrowful way. This, this is not something I'm happy about in my life, but I got born again. I'm a work in progress. 
I go to Bible school. I'm going through Bible school. And when life starts squeezing any one of us in here, what do you turn to? Do, do you turn to the Lord Jesus? Do you turn to the Holy Spirit? Or do you turn to that old man? I'm going through Bible school, and when life would squeeze me, I would turn back to alcohol. You're in Bible school, and you do? I am. And if caught, they could have kicked me out, and they rightly should have. But what most people didn't see, I was a work in progress. That the days of drinking were getting further and further and further away. And I could see God working in me. And so from the time that I began to pray and to seek God, and my wife hung in there with me. And my wife would pray. And many of you have heard me say, I stood on Colossians 1.13. He's delivered me out of the power of darkness. It was from uh, until I was about 24 years old until I've never had a drink again. I, I know what it's like to be set free. God is still in the business of setting people free. He takes messes and makes miracles. I say that to put hope in you today. I, I have great compassion toward people that are addicted to things. Because I know what that's like. Luke chapter 4 verse 1. Then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute. What did that say? Then Jesus... Being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So we know he goes into the wilderness for 40 days. But it's interesting that the Lord Jesus was not only filled with the Holy Spirit. He was led, with the, led by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 14 says, those who are led by the Spirit of God will be the sons and daughter of God. Romans 8, 16 says that the Spirit of God will bear witness with my spirit. So it's interesting here, and I always have this thought. If the Lord Jesus' earthly ministry, he needed the Holy Spirit, what makes me and you think we don't need the Holy Spirit? Same chapter, verse 14. Then Jesus returned after the 40 days in the wilderness. Now listen to this. In the power of the Spirit, he was still armed with the Holy Spirit and power. So it wasn't just for a season in his life. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. A great reference is Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. He went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. So again, you got to get this. And I got to have the Holy Spirit. So it goes on to say, he went to Galilee, news of him went up through all the surrounding region, and he taught in the synagogue, being glorified by all. So Jesus came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now, he's going to quote the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 61. This is a messianic prophecy that's fulfilled. Now listen to this. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This was the Lord Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he, because he, you may want to circle the word he, he, talking about the Holy Spirit, didn't say, and it, the Holy Spirit's not an it. He's the third person of the Godhead. And it's interesting, he says, because he has anointed me. The Lord Jesus says, my earthly ministry is because I was anointed with the Holy Spirit. And so again, I highlight Psalms 92.10. Man, I need a fresh anointing. I, I welcome you today, Holy Spirit. He has anointed me for what? To preach the gospel to the poor. You know who the poor are? Every one of us spiritually. We're all poor spiritually. We're all bankrupt spiritually. But he said, he's anointed me to preach the gospel. That was the assignment then, and I still believe that's the assignment. We're, we're not called to, to preach Reader's Digest. We're, we're not called to be comedians. We're not called to be entertainers. We're, we're not called to preach politics. He said, he's anointed me to preach the gospel. So what would happen if we would make the main thing the main thing? Now watch this. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. When you see the word brokenhearted there, it's two words. The first one there, broken, means to, to break in pieces. It means to shatter. Actually, it has the meaning that when a jar hits the ground and it shatters into a jillion pieces, it's irreparable, unrecoverable. But the word heart here has the meaning of cardiac, and the word cardiac means a disordered heart. So the Lord Jesus says, I want to put your broken heart back together. I want to heal your broken heart. And I highlight that right now because there's some of you sitting in here and some of you watching by live stream. Your heart's been shattered. And Jesus wants to heal your heart today. And we're going to give you an opportunity for that to happen. See, when I begin to study this today, I thought, what was happening when Jesus did this? I believe he was giving the people there in Nazareth that day an appetite to say, Woo, God doesn't just want to save me. God wants to heal my broken heart. And I believe that's what he's doing right here. And so we keep reading this. He wants to heal my broken heart. And he goes on to say, To proclaim liberty to the captives. Freedom to the ones that are bruised. To announce pardons to the, the prisoners. And when I begin to dive into this part, you know what was interesting about this? That many times outwardly, we, we see people's hurts. I mean, if you see someone with a cast on their arm, you realize they've broken arm. I, I see Henry here with the cane. That shows me there's something that he limps with. I mean, you get close to people and they may have stitches. 
Many of us have scars that are outwardly that we can see those things. But when he talks about this part right here about setting the captives free, this is on the inside. And this is what was brought out that on the inside of us, how many in this house right now are walking around with two black eyes on the inside? Your lip is bloodied, it's cut on the inside. How many of you, you got broken bones on the inside? See, it's very e easy to look at someone outwardly, but, but God wants to heal us spirit, soul, and body. He wants to heal every part of me, every dilemma of me. He wants to heal us on the inside. And recovery of sight to the blind. I want to heal people physically. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. Those who are burdened and battered. He said, I want to set you free. And he ends to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You know what that is? The year of God's favor. The year of God's great acceptance. And so when I read all that, I thought, man, Lord, we need a fresh anointing in here. We need a fresh touch of God upon our lives. I'm going to ask you to stand up right there where you're at today. I still believe everything that we just read through the prophet Isaiah. I believe God still does those things. We can't, we can't keep limiting God. We've got to welcome God. And so I go back to many parts of these scriptures today. If any man be in Christ, are you in Christ? Do you know you're in Christ? That means you know you're born again. That means you know deep down, my, my name's registered in heaven. And, and if you don't know that, I, I welcome you right now to get out of your seat and come forward and say, that's me. I, I need Jesus. I need to get born again. Can I give you a little insight on that? It'll be the greatest decision you've ever made. Yeah. Anybody like that, I, I welcome you. But we go back to some of these. Come on, buddy. Come on. Here comes one. Come on. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. Jesus loves courage. Anybody else? I get excited about when people get born again. We don't have trophies and plaques and mantles on our room. These become the trophies of our heart. people are important to God it's so important that he gave his only begotten son anybody else I'm going to lead you through a prayer okay and I want you to say it this is one of our prayer warriors here he's going to stand here with you I, I want all of us to say this because I, I, I don't ever want to lose that fresh anointing that Jesus is Lord of my life and I was bought with a price and I was paid in full with one sacrifice. All what Jesus did. So say this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. Dear 
I come to you today as a sinner. I've made a mess of me. I've broke your commands. I've sinned and sinned. And I ask you today to wash me with the blood of Jesus. I'm sorry. And Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. Save me, Lord Jesus. I thank you that by grace, through faith, my name is registered in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's clap. Let's clap. Good news, God's not done. And there began to be a move of God in the first surface. And I could just begin to sense, God, I want you to bow your head. Because I believe he's going to move in here again right now. If you're one of the brokenhearted today, whatever in life that has happened to you, that has shattered your heart, and you've thought, I, I can't ever be, it can't ever be replaced, Lord. The Lord Jesus said, because of the anointing upon him, I came to heal the brokenhearted. And so if that's you today, if you're just brokenhearted, I, I welcome you. Just get out of your seat and come down here. We're going to let God touch us. We're going to let God. Come on. Don't be bashful. God's moving. He's going to move. And if you're here today and you're one of the captives that need to be set free, you say, man, on the outside I look cool, calm, and collected, but on the inside I'm all beat up. I'm hurting today on the inside. I welcome you to come. God's a healer, okay? I'm not a healer. God's a healer. The Holy Spirit's a healer. If, if you're here today and you've been bound by addictions, you've been bound by things that have just dominated you, and because of that domination, you have the thought, man, God could never use me. Well, I believe God wants to touch your heart today. God wants to heal your heart today. And so you know what? I, I'm going to have our team play here just a second. And I just want you to stand before God and, and welcome Him here. And then I'm going to have some more instruction in a second. It's not too late to come down here. We welcome you. Go ahead. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.